I've got something in my heart God's been speaking to me about for the past few weeks, intensified in the last week. And then uh, somebody sent me a, a little video clip, and I didn't speak to this person, and he didn't know what I was busy with, but he sent me a video clip, and this video clip was so so confirming, such a confirmation of what God was busy with me that it just ignited something on a higher level in me. And uh, so I asked God to just help me to try to convey what I feel inside, you know, because um, essentially when we minister, it's actually God or Christ ministering through us. And it's Him flowing through us and you are receiving from Him. And uh, it's not about... It's not about me, it's not about any of us really. It's all about the Christ that's inside of you. That's what it's about. Because you were created to be an expression of God. And in Colossians 2.10 it says, The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him in bodily form and He is within us. So God designed you in such a way that that fullness can have residence inside of you. Why? So that you can be a vehicle to express that fullness. You're designed with a dimension inside of you that exists nobody, nowhere else in the universe. You have a Christ dimension, a kingdom inside of you that can flow the fullness of God towards the rest of creation. You are designed for that. And God has a purpose with you tonight. And uh, you know that God is love and God is light. And there's no darkness in Him. So wherever God is, you won't find darkness. Because it's light. Now if we switch off the light in this building, it's going to be dark. When you switch on the light, what's the first thing that you realize? There's no darkness. So light came to reveal that darkness does not exist in light. Okay. Now, God is light. And the word of God says, you came from above. You know, when you began, when you, when you started living, it didn't begin in your mother's womb. You were uh, an idea in God's mind before creation you started in God but you started in God through a word that he spoke and he spoke these words in Genesis 1 26 says let us let us make man in our image according to our likeness let us make man And if we're talking about God's image, we're talking about spirit, because God is spirit. And God's image is not natural, God's image is spiritual. So when God says, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the spiritual image. So in Genesis 1, we find that God created the spirit man. And that spirit man came directly from him, from above. So you were born from above. When? Before time. Now, here's the interesting thing. Whenever you read in the Bible the words born again, most of the times, 95% of the times, it actually should be translated born from above. 
So when God speaks about you being born from above, He's actually referring to your spiritual life. He's not talking about that day when you made a decision to receive Christ in you. He's not talking about that day. To be born from above is what God did. And then he took what he spoke into existence by a word and he breathed that into the body that he formed in Genesis 2 verse 7. So there's spiritual and there's natural. Now, listen, the Bible says that the natural is first, thereafter the spiritual. But the spiritual was long before the natural, because it was before time. So what is he referring to? He's referring to our consciousness. Because my consciousness of my natural life comes first, and thereafter comes my consciousness of my spiritual life. So the context where he's written this in, in 1 Corinthians 15 is actually talking about what we are aware of. He's talking about our consciousness. And he's talking about in John 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he's talking about the same thing. Our awareness of being a natural man is so influenced by our senses that that's the only world that's a reality to us. And we think that's the beginning and the end of everything. And it's not true. So that dimension that we are living in, that we are used to, is three-dimensional. We have height, width, and depth. Or you can do it the other way. You can say up and down, left and right, and forward and backward. So that's three different dimensions. If you only add one of those dimensions, you would have been just a, a dot. Okay? But if you add the other dimensions, you can see height and width, and all of that comes together. Okay. But your, your spirit man operates in a different dimension. It's not operating in a dimension of only this. It's operating in a dimension that I call the dimension of grace. Now, there's three dimensions, up and down, left and right, forward and backwards, remember? The fourth dimension is time. Time is a very convenient thing. It's very convenient. Because it prevents everything from happening at the same moment. Can you see how God planned this to perfection? He created time for a reason so that we are not born mature. Because we would have learned nothing. We would have been mature without knowledge. So God started something in us and, and he used time, a fourth dimension, to start something in us. Therefore, there's a beginning and an end. Because before there was a be beginning and an end, there was no time. Yeah. So that's the fourth dimension. The fifth dimension that I want to talk about, the fifth dimension, is the dimension of grace. You know what grace means? It's divine influence upon the heart. It's that dimension where God influences every particle of your existence. Even on subatomic level. Every part of you influenced by God. And that's what Jesus came to demonstrate. 
God is light. We all know that. Nobody can deny it. But the word of God is very clear. That in 1 John 1.5, this is a message we have heard from him and declared to you. So this is the message. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is also called the father of lights. Do you know that? In James 1.17, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, above is actually inside of you because it's a higher dimension. Okay? Above is not geographically above because on the other side of the planet, it would have been down then. So, above is a higher dimension inside of you. So, he's saying, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Now, if God is your Father and God is light and He's the Father of lights, then what are you? Is that common sense? Okay. That's why Jesus also calls us the light of the world. In Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. Now, if God is spirit and his children are spirits, because he's also called the father of spirits, Hebrews 12, 9, he says, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So God is the father of spirits, which is the father of light. Jesus calls us in Matthew 5, 14, the light of the world. Jesus himself calls himself the light of the world also. In John 9, verse 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But while he was in the world, he called us the light of the world. Now, this was before the cross, before the resurrection, before anything was done. He called us the light of the world. Now, that is just amazing. That means it's clear that it came from above. We were born from above long before. We accepted Christ. There are a lot of people that really won't agree with that. But it's because of religion. It's because of the way we grew up. We never studied the word and go, uh, and, and go into depth into what God wants to say. So Jesus was a true light. He says in uh, John 1.4, in him was life and the light The life was the light of men. So the life is the light. So the moment there's life, there's light. Now let me ask you this. When a new baby is born, when the new baby comes out, where did the spirit in that baby come from? It came from above. So there's a difference between being born again and being born from above. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus didn't understand the difference. And you can check the Greek. When Jesus came to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus said to him, Rabbi, you are a man from God. So he, he, he realizes the origin where Jesus comes from. You must be from above. He realizes that. Because nobody could do these works unless God is with him. So he acknowledges that Jesus comes from above. And Jesus answered him. And he said, unless not you must be, listen, unless you are born from above. And he doesn't use the words born again. He's translated like that, but it's not in the Greek. It's born from above. Unless you are born from above, 
you won't be able to realize that I was born from above. That I came from above. But because you came from above, you realize now that I came from above. And that God is with me. God is one with me. There's a difference. So what is born again actually? Why is there a need for being born again? Let me tell you. Um, Religion told us that your spirit died. You died spiritually. And when you died spiritually, you were spiritually dead. And because you are spiritually dead, then your spirit needed to be resurrected. And that we called born again. You must be born again. And it's not that. Because 1 John 3 verse 9 says, Whatever is born of God. Is there anybody here that's born of God? Let me just ask you. Okay, whatever is born of God cannot sin. Let me ask you, what part of man came from God? Spirit. So your spirit cannot sin. That's why Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, When a man dies, his spirit returns to God who gave it, and his body returns to the dust from where it was taken. So nothing can be done to the spirit. Darkness cannot touch the spirit. Sin cannot touch the spirit. The spirit man cannot sin. Nothing can go with spirit. Wrong with spirit. Your spirit cannot die. So what is the problem? The problem is in the soul, which is the mind, the world, the emotions. Let me give you a good example of what Jesus came to demonstrate. When Jesus became sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. While Jesus was sin, he was hanging on a cross. Remember, he became sin. He didn't just take the sin of the world upon him. He became sin. So he was the vilest of vilest on the earth at that moment in history and in future. Because all of the sin is what he became. And while he was all of sin, it was so intense, his experience of man, what man had, that he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he felt exactly what every human being felt, forsakenness. And then he said, while he was sin, he said, Father, his last words, Father, into your hand, while he sin, Father, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Amen. So what does that mean? The spirit cannot be touched. Even if he became sin, his spirit could not be touched. But Isaiah 53 verse 11 and 12 says, His soul was poured out unto death. Other translations, His soul was poured out to Hades. Acts 17 says, His his soul was poured out to Hades. Now, some people think Hades means the grave. Listen, His soul did not go to the grave. His soul went to Hades. It's the place of departed souls. It's not hell. It's translated as hell in some mistranslated 
sections of scripture, but it's not what it is. So his spirit went to the father, his soul went to Hades, and his body went to the grave. Three different places for three different things. God made you spirit, and that spirit is light. And your spirit cannot sin. Your spirit is perfect forever. Nothing can change it. Your spirit is absolutely holy. The final thing that needs to happen to us is the saving of our soul. It's a process. It started that day when you received Christ in your consciousness. And now the process is ongoing because you need to grow. That's why there's time. There's a process. You need to grow until you come to the full stature. Remember? That's why he gave the fivefold ministry with the five gifts of Jesus. It's actually gifts because he said, said in verse, uh, the previous verse, Ephesians 4, verse 6, he says, and he gave gifts unto men. And then he started explaining the gifts. And he says, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. So, in other words, all those gifts was given to bring us to the mature Christ. Yes. That's the purpose. It's not to, not to rule over the body of Christ. It's not to tell them what to do. It's not to be the boss. It's to be the servant. And to show them how it's done. Be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. Yeah? Okay. So, this spirit man that's inside of me. His name is, now just hold on. His name is the Lord from heaven. The natural man is called the natural man of the dust of the ground. Uh, let's just go to, yeah, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Now listen, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And this is so powerful. Listen, here's something very, very important. The first man became a living being. He was just alive and living uh, with his, from his senses. This, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Why a life-giving spirit? Because that spirit that's within me was designed, the spirit that God breathed into us, was designed to bring life to my soul and to my body. That immortal life, that was supposed to be given to us. It was given to us inside of us as spirit, as light, as life. It was given to us from above. Okay? But if I don't understand it here, all of the promises of God are yes, amen, in Him. It's in here. The fullness of the God is inside of you. But it cannot come to the body dimension except if it comes through this thing. Through your soul, through your mind, your will, your emotions. This is the gateway your mind for everything to happen if I don't understand it that preciousness of everything that God planned for us cannot be manifested that's why people keep on dying they don't believe in immortality they don't believe it you know that eternal life and immortality are two different things eternal life is spirit immortal life is body 
And I can prove it. If you read Romans chapter 2, verse 7, I didn't prepare this, but this morning when I walked in here, God gave me the scripture. And I was so excited, I shared it with, uh, with my brother, Rudy. And then he showed me that scripture is tattooed on his arm. That was confirmation. I mean, God let him get a tattoo. How many years back to show me today I heard his voice? Thank you, Lord. He says there, verse 6, he says, Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life, that's spiritual, to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Listen, you need to seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Now, is there anybody here that seeked immortality? Yes. I know the Kuruman guys, they do. Jylle is frot van dit. Op een mooie manier. God's desire was to have a dwelling place forever. And if my body is his dwelling place and my body dies, then his forever home just vanished. God wants us to be his dwelling place forever. Remember in uh, Revelation 21 uh, verse 3, he says, the tabernacle of God is with man. God will dwell with them and be with them in and around them. There's a lot of scripture that confirms that. We are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 2 Corinthians 6.16, all those scriptures actually tells us that God chose us as his dwelling place. But how can we be his dwelling place if we don't live forever? Because God is a forever God. And he says we must seek immortality, but we don't seek it. No, we judge it. We say, no, you know what? That's a lunatic. You can't listen to that guy. He's talking rubbish. But there is a scripture. Do you seek immortality? I hope you are. Right. Now, as I said, the spirit cannot sin. It cannot sin. Let me confirm to you that that which was darkened, that which needs restoration, that needs to be saved, is not your spirit. What needs to be saved is your soul. Why? Because it's the only place where darkness exists. Because when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, and that was basically the law. Because, because when they ate of the tree, they had knowledge of their sin. And uh, Romans 3, uh, 20 says, through the law is knowledge of sin. So if you don't, if you, if you don't have a law, you have no knowledge of sin. Yes. Yeah. So when they ate of that tree, they received knowledge of sin. What was their sin? Sin means to miss the mark. The only thing that they missed in the garden was the tree of life. Yeah. So eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was not the sin. The sin was not eating of the tree of life. Because God wanted to join that spirit of the tree of life, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life of Christ with our spirits. And he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. God wanted to join them. But before it could be joined, what happened? They ate of the tree of knowledge. They ate of the law. And what did the law do? 
The Lord did a very terrible thing. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, But their minds were blinded. What's blinded? Your mind. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even, on, even till this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Now listen. Your heart is your spirit. It's your true identity. It's the son of light. It's the son of life. It's who you are. Now you are either Adam, that's from the dust of the ground, or you are the Lord from heaven. You are either a living soul or a life-giving spirit. Now the reason why bodies died is because they did not receive the life-giving spirit. They didn't have the knowledge of the life-giving spirit in their consciousness. Therefore the life of God could not manifest through them. Although the life of God was in its fullness inside of them. So the light was inside of them. Then he says they avail lies on their heart. Your heart is your true identity. It's your spirit. So where is the veil? So what happened with the veil? The veil, the law, came and you went over your true identity. And you forgot that you are a son. And the only awareness you have now is I'm good, good enough to be a slave. Now let me ask you this. There's three different parables that are talking about something that was lost. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. The prodigal son. Now, the Lord said to me, you know, Andre, the coin didn't become a coin when it was found. It was a coin before it was lost. The sheep didn't become a sheep when it was found. It was a sheep before it was lost. The son didn't become a son when he was found. He was for it was lost. And you know what's even better than that? The word says that God sent forth the spirit of his son, Galatians 4, into our hearts, crying, Our Father. Why did he send it? Because you are sons, God sent his spirit. God didn't send his spirit because I am now saved and all of that and what, what. It's because I am a son, God sent his spirit. Because it was meant to be joined to my spirit. Now, their minds were blinded. The veil lies on their heart. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face. Now, what is unveiled face? It's an unveiled heart. Because the only thing that had a veil was my heart. My heart is my true identity. The light. I always had a light in me. You always had a light. Every person, Jesus came and is the light that gives light to every man. John 1, verse 4 and verse 9. Tells us that he is that light. And he gives light to every man. Where is the light? Inside of you. The light is inside of that guy out there. Is murdering, but his understanding is darkened. The veil of the law is lying over his true identity, and his mind is filled with a false perception, with a mistaken identity, and he thinks he is a robber and a murderer, and he thinks he's not good enough. He doesn't know who he is. Exactly. 
So in, the, in, in that scripture in, in Luke, uh, a parable of the prodigal son, it's interesting that in that verse 17, he says, but when he came to himself, <laughs> when he came to who he really was, the son, he said to himself. Now, that thing he said to himself is very important. Because what said to himself? Did he say, hey, self, with his mouth? No. Inside, his spirit was speaking. A fifth-dimension voice. The grace of God. What influenced him? Grace is the divine influence upon the heart. The grace of God started speaking inside his heart, which had the ability to speak to his mind. And he said to him, you are a son. Remember, you are the son. Remember, can you remember? Everybody belongs to the Lord. But we need to come to ourselves. Become aware of who we truly are. In Psalm 24 verse 1 he says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The The whole world and all those who dwell therein. So everybody belongs to God. Nobody ever belonged to Satan. When a thief steals something, is he the rightful owner of it now? He never is the rightful owner. It always belongs to God. The alienation is in our minds. Only in our minds. Not in my spirit. My spirit is perfect. Always been perfect. But the veil is over my true identity. Now with unveiled face, with an unveiled heart, with unveiled spiritual identity, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So minds were blinded, and your understanding was darkened, and the heart was veiled. Your true identity, covered by the law of do's and don'ts. Is that true? Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons, God sent His Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light. But that contradicts what Jesus says, you are the light. So where was this darkness? You were once darkness, only in your mind. Because Colossians 1, says, They were alienated and became enemies in their minds. That's the only place where there was darkness. Because where there is light, there can't be darkness. And if your spirit is light, because God is the father of lights, there can be no darkness in your spirit. That's why there can't be any sin. And you can't miss the mark, because you know the way. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 1.18, he says, The eyes of your understanding, I'm praying, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Why must it be enlightened? Because there's darkness there. Being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 says, we are co-raised and seated together with him. And he's not talking about Christians. It's not only Christians that seated with him. Let's read that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who? Who was raised with him? Everybody. What was raised? My understanding. Okay? My soul was restored. But there's a process of saving. Because I need to grow to maturity. I need to understand. You know, we focused so much on sin that we missed the good news. The good news is God reconciled the whole world with Himself. Second Corinthians 5, 18, 19, 20, 21. The whole world was reconciled. Romans 5, 18. You can read that. Romans 5, 18. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Listen to this. He says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. To all come. To all men. Free gift. You are not born again through your own will. Not. Sorry, you are not. It's not because you made a decision that you are saved. Not. Can I read it to you? Let's go to John 1. John 1. John 1, uh, verse 12. But as many as received him, not, not um, angeneem. Hij is niet een weeskind wat je moet aannemen nie, hoor. Hy is niet een weeskind nie. Ok. He said, but as many as received him. Where? Here. He's already in you. You can't help it. Christ within us is the hope of glory. In everybody. But he's already in you. You need to receive him here in your consciousness. Ok. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Ok. Who were born... Nor of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you're not born of the will of man, but of the will of God. That's quite clear. But if you don't believe me, let's read James 1.18 quickly. He says, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will he brought us forth. You had nothing to do with it. It's grace that you came to, be aware, to, to, to the awareness of the work that He has done in you. Amen. The work that I have started in you, I will finish. Amen. Isn't that true? Philippians. Die werk wat ek in julle begin, het sal ek volleindig. He began a good work in you. It's His work, not our work. Ah, praise God for the light. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says, You are all sons of light. And sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. All. You are all. Okay, let's go to the Old Testament. Because some people are still under the law. They only take the Old Testament. So let's read from the Old Testament. Just to, just to confirm that. Um, yeah, I think let's take, uh, let's take this scripture in um, Deuteronomy 32 verse 18. He says, of the rock we begot you, you are unmindful. Where's the problem? In the mind. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. 
This is in the Old Testament. Right? This is not after the cross. This is long before it. So who is he talking to? He's talking to the people that's in front of him. And he's saying, saying of the rock we got, you are unmindful. Here's the problem. And have forgotten the God who fathered you. Um, then he says in Psalm 82 verse 5, he says, They do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. Where's the darkness? In the, in the head. Nah. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, God said, you are God's. Why? Because you are children of God. That, that's why you are God's. You get as a renoster, a barbecue, as a renoster key. If God gets a child, child, it's a God. Okay, I'm not going to be a They walk about in darkness. I said, You are God's. And all of you are children of the Most High. That's quite clear in the Old Testament. You believe me now? Okay, one last one. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before Him. Everybody will at some point in time remember. What will they remember? They will remember the things that he spoke to them before time began. Yes. If, you, if, you, if you read uh, Proverbs chapter 8 um, from verse 23 onwards to 32, he says, before there was fountains heavy with water, I was playing with you. Yes. He spent time with us. Before anything was created, I was playing with you. It's His ability. We will remember everything that He said to us. We need to open our minds to the Spirit that's within so that we can walk in the fullness of that oneness. Now, here's the thing. What I actually want to get to, I want to talk about oneness, but I haven't said anything about it yet. But I just had to show you that you are a light that's born from above. You came from God. The fullness of God is already within you. You're a chip of the old block. You are like your father. He's light and you are light. Jesus was another son. He's also called light. But the father is called light. You are the light. But we need to understand it here. Our darkness needs to move. So what is the oneness thing? You know, Jesus did some amazing miracles. He says in John 14, 12, the works that I have done, you will do, and greater than these you will do. Is there anybody here that's done that already? The greater works? <laughs> when will it happen? It will happen when we truly realize the oneness and we come together as a body and function as that one. Jesus says, John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. Okay, if Jesus said it, it's true. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word of God, which is truth. John 17.17, the word is truth. So he is the truth, and he says, I can of myself do nothing. So why are we trying to do it? God is doing everything. 
let me give you another example. He says, uh, John 5.30, he says, Out of myself I can do nothing. There's another scripture in John uh, 15 as well. But listen, he says in uh, John 10 verse 30, I and my Father, we are one. I and my Father are one. In John 14 verse 12, he says, The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. It's not my words. But the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. So if God does all the work and the Son couldn't do anything by himself, then the Son was looking and watching when the Father was doing these things. Because the Son didn't do it himself. He couldn't do it himself. He was watching. Now, if we talk about that dimension, the fifth dimension, it's a dimension of divine influence upon the heart. I call it oneness. Because how are you influenced? It's not, here am I and there is God and God speaks to me and I receive and I speak to God. It's not like that. In oneness, he just flows through you. In John 15, he gave this example. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you are separate from me, you cannot live. There's no life in you and there's no fruit in you. You cannot bear fruit of yourself. It says that in John 15. You cannot bear fruit of yourself. The branches cannot do it themselves. The, the branch cannot produce fruit. It's the vine that produces the fruit. The branch just carries the fruit. You carry the fruit that the Father produces through you. Now everything that is visible in the branch is from the life of the, 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 the vine that's flowing through the branch. The branch can't do anything. And if you're not connected as one, then that life cannot flow through you. So why could Jesus feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish? Because he was one with the unlimited source that could supply without even speaking a word. That I mentioned inside of you, that kingdom of God inside of you, that kingdom is the rule and the reign of God over everything. Yes. That kingdom inside of you, instead of up and down and left and right and forward and, and backward and time, this is in and out, in and out, yes. in and out. Because the kingdom is within, yes. but it wants to produce outwards. Yes. That's the dimension. But it happens when I'm one with Father. And I, I know that in the Old Testament, your thoughts are not my thoughts. But in the New Testament, yes. we have the mind of Christ. Amen. So in the New Testament, we are one with the Father because Jesus prayed that in John 17. Father, I pray that they will be one as we are one. Now it's the Father within us and Christ within that's now speaking and when I know who I am when I know who I am then I function with the Father's life flowing out of me but if I don't know it here I'm in separation and I'm trying to be an anointed man of God trying to do these things and that's why don't, we don't come up to the full measure of what Christ has done because it was never Christ that did the, the, those things 
It was the Father within. God wants us to realize that. Now, that's, that which is within wants to come out. The gateway is your mindset. It's your mindset. If you know who you are, it will manifest through you. If you don't know who you are, it cannot happen. It's important to know this. You need to know who you are. You are either Adam or Christ. Let me read this again. 1 Corinthians 15.45 And so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The first man was also the first Adam, remember? But then he says, the second man is also the last Adam. So there was only two men. The first and the second. Because the second one was the last one. So there's no third Adam and fourth Adam. And God only sees two people. He sees either Adam as one corporate man or he sees Christ as one corporate man. So you are either one of the two. You are either Adam, a living soul, or you are the Lord from heaven. The word Lord in Greek simply means Ruler. You are the ruler from heaven. In Genesis 1, he said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. What is that? Rule. Yes. That's, that's what he told us to do. Yes. And we would have done that if we connected with his spirit in the garden by eating from the tree of life. But we never got there. So the only thing that we could rule was what Adam could rule over. You know, he said to Adam, Adam, you, you must uh, look at the garden. This is your work. You must uh, attend it and keep it. Bewerk and bewaak dit. Wat was die tuin? Sy mind, sy siel. Bewaak hierdie tuin, dat daar nie duisternis in kom nie. Bewerk en bewaak die tuin. On the other hand, he said to the spirit man, which he spoke into existence, who are you guys that's in front of me here? He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. You know that that was totally unlimited person? Adam was limited. He could only work in the garden, could only uh, eat of the fruit in, of the garden, and there was even one tree that he couldn't eat of. But the other one, Okay, you don't believe me. Let's go to Genesis 1 quickly. Genesis 1. Listen to this, verse 29. And God said, this is now the spirit man he's talking to. No limitations. Listen. He says, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. Every tree and all the plants on all the earth there's no limitation to what you can eat. You can even eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can even eat that tree. You can eat of everything. But if you are a natural man, if you are a natural man, you can only look at the garden. Jy is nie die baas van die tuin. Jy is nie eers die baas van die tuin, jy is die werker van die tuin. In the, in the security guard, pass him up. 
But in Christ, there's no limitation. We can eat of everything on the whole planet. And that's what God wants us to come to. We need to understand that we are the rulers. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. God never wanted Adam to fill the earth. As a natural man. He wanted Adam to eat of the tree of life. So he could fill the earth as a spiritual man. But God needed the body to bring those dimensions together. Without the body it wasn't possible. That's why the body is necessary. That's why he created Adam. But Adam messed up. Okay, so God wanted us to manifest that fullness of the God that's within us. In this dimension. In the body dimension. But it cannot happen if my mind is not saved. My soul is not saved. That's why the salvation of my soul. That's the end of my faith. And how must it happen? Receive with meekness, James 1.21. Receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save my soul. Receive it with meekness. Now listen, we can speak this word and it's the truth and the whole truth. And people will resist it. But it's only their minds that resist it. But that truth is in their spirits. They can't deny it. And at one point in time, everybody will remember. And they will return to the Lord. And they will worship Him. Don't worry about your child that is not saved. It's God's work anyway. He starts it and He finishes it. What can you do? You can do nothing. So why do you worry about it? Because worry is not something that comes from God. So you are doing somebody else's work instead of God's work by worrying. You are working against the manifestation of the kingdom in this realm by worrying. Because your mind is darkened with worries. Instead of being filled with the light. You know where there is light, there is no darkness. If you switch on this light, darkness disappears. The moment you switch it on. And then you can switch it off and you say, no, there is darkness. You say, no, there is no darkness. Let me show you. I switch on the lights. You see, there is no darkness. Because darkness is not the substance. What light is. Light is photons. It's the smallest subatomic particles that exist everywhere in the universe. Everything that exists, all matter, all matter in all of the universe consists of light. I just want to read you something here. Um, there's a guy, David Bohm, well-known theoretical scientist, one of the top guys. Got a lot of Nobel Prizes and stuff because of his discoveries. He said, light is photons. He says, it is energy and it's also information. It is content, it is form, it is structure. It's the potential of everything. All matter is frozen light. All matter. Everything that exists on the planet, when you go smaller than atoms and smaller than molecules, you go to, to subatomic particles, you will find photons. And everything that exists is made up of photons. Why? Because everything that exists came from God. 
and he is light. That's why. That fullness is in you and it's in me. And the only thing that hinders that fullness without any limitations to manifest is this mind that's telling this life inside of me that it cannot function. And you know what? God is such a gentleman, he won't force it. Well, he can. I mean, just ask Paul on the road to Damascus. But you know that Paul's life wasn't influenced only by, by, by God in, set, in, in that extent. Let me show you something. There was a guy called Peter. Man, and he was there when Jesus uh, got up on the resurrection morning. And he came to them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they will not be forgiven. It will be held against them. Eh? Remember? So here comes Peter, fresh in his mind, with that. And here comes Ananias and Sapphira. What did they do? They lied. And what did Peter say? He said, you will die. What happened? They died. He did not speak life over them. He had the ability to speak life over them. He did not. Okay? In the next chapter, chapter 7 in Acts, you will find that there was, there was another guy called Stephen. And he was full of the Spirit, says the word. Man, he was full of the Spirit. And while he was full of the Spirit, they decided to stone him. And while they were throwing rocks at him, you know what he did? Exactly what Jesus did. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So what did he do? He forgave their sins. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Because he forgave their sins, Paul was standing there. And his sins was forgiven there while he was standing there. That's why in the next chapter, Paul travels on the road to Damascus. And he's now a forgiven man. So nothing hinders the power of God to eat him. And he falls down on his face, blinded. Now his natural eyes are blinded because God doesn't want him to see in the natural so he can get a wake-up call. And then he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Powerful encounter with God. Why? Because Stephen realized, I'm so one with him, I can forgive your sins. Through oneness. Peter didn't realize it. Through oneness, he condemned. Do we know what we are in for? Yes. Absolutely. Romeinen 2 verse 4. I said also, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You're not, not led to repentance by some, something that goes wrong. The goodness of God. What is the goodness of God? The forgiveness and, and everything that flows from that inside. You know, when, when Stephen was speaking, it was the love of God speaking through him. Man, God is light. Listen, the kingdom of God is within you. The, the, the inner space 
is far greater than outer space. What is outer space? You know, when I ask you what is outer space, you will say, no, there's galaxies and, you know, you go very far away. That's outer space. No, outer space starts outside your body. That's outer space. Inner space is inside. It's spiritual. It's a next level. It's a different dimension. It's spiritual. It surpasses everything that is natural. It's far greater. It's like God. He surpasses everything. He transcends everything. He's far greater than anything. Far greater than what you can imagine. What you can think. The fullness of God is ready to manifest through us. And you know, uh, Jesus prayed and he said, Father, I pray that they will be one as we are one. He prayed there in Gethsemane. It's a powerful prayer to say, Father, I pray that they will be one as we are one. Do you think if Jesus prayed that, it's not going to happen? Do you think there's any chance that it cannot happen? So what's the problem there? The problem is in our minds, we don't accept it. No, you know, you can't be one with God because, you know, we're not saying we are God. That's not what we are saying. Jesus said, geen roof ag om aan God gelijk te wees nie. Philippe 1 en 2. En die gestalte van die dienst daar gaan geneem. Ok. Ja. Absolutely. Uh, we we are we are so perfect in God's eyes that it's if God could be frustrated, I think that would be something that would frustrate frustrate him. That we don't realize how perfect we are in his eyes. We're looking at ourselves. And we're looking in these three dimensions and we think that's the truth. Instead, we need to go deeper and we need to realize that this light that's inside of us is ready to shine. Where must it shine? Okay, now let's just go to another scripture. I'm nowhere in this teaching tonight. I'm all over the place. But it's okay. That's what God wants to do now. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, remember that in chapter 3, uh, we just read earlier that the veil lies over their hearts, and with an unveiled face, we see in a mirror, we see the, the Lord. Okay? Remember? But we are all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Now, listen, what do we see in a mirror? The glory of the Lord. Romans 3.23 says, We have all sinned and fell short of the glory of the Lord. But that is in our minds. My spirit never fell short of the glory. It's only in my mind. Okay, so he's saying, but we all with unveiled fails, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, listen, the light of the gospel, the light of the good news, the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me ask you, was man created in God's image? What part of man? His spirit was created in God's image. Yeah? So if my spirit was created in God's image, and he says here, um, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It means, if I was created in the image of God, then I do not fall short of the glory. Because he says, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, so my spirit never fell short of the glory. It's only in my mind, in my understanding. My understanding was darkened. For it's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. We are shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where do I see it? When I turn to the Lord, when I turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Remember? Second yeah. uh, uh, Corinthians 3, verse 15 onwards. The veil is taken away. What happens when the veil over my heart is taken away? I can see the light. I can see I'm a son of light. I can see who I truly am. Yes. And when I see that, the life of God can flow through me. Yeah. Can flow through me. The light shines out of darkness. Man, it must come through here. Okay? It starts here. It must go through here. And then it will manifest in our bodies. You know that glory is light? In the New Jerusalem, in uh, Revelations 19, 21, and 22, you will find that in the New Jerusalem, there's no need for the sun or the moon to give light to the city because the glory of God will illuminate it. The glory of God is a light. So we have the glory of God. We are the light. What's happening? That fullness is already in here. Its, its, its desire is to burst forth, to come out. Okay? It will shine if we just believe it. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is an earthen vessel. Inside this earthen vessel is this treasure. Christ within me, the hope of glory. Now, let me ask you this. In that parable of the... Um, the treasure in the field. Remember that parable that Jesus told? When somebody discovered the treasure in the field, they bought the whole field, remember? But they didn't bury the treasure in the field. They discovered the treasure in the field. The treasure was already in the field. Christ within us, the hope of glory. It's always been in here. Christ within us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.26 this mystery that's been hidden through ages and generations that has now been revealed, Christ within us, the hope of glory. To the Gentiles. That was a message to the Gentiles. So, to the people that did not know, that was a message, Christ within you, the hope of glory. Because it's in here. You are one with the Father. The Father is in you. When you are born, you are born from above. Your origin... Your origin is from above. Your origin is from God. 
Now, I just want to close with this. I want to read from the Mirror Bible, a Francois de Tuez translation. Very good. I love this Bible. Some people call it the New Age Bible. I love it. I read it every day. It's awesome. But it's the truth. You can check the translation in the Greek if you want to. John chapter 3. I just want to read this to you. Now, listen, Nicodemus. Now, amongst them, there was a man who was a prominent leader among the Jews, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He came to see Jesus under the cover of night and said to him, Rabbi, it is clear for all of us to see that you came from God as a teacher. So he tells us what the origin is. He's from God. The signs you perform are proof that God is with you. No one is able to do these signs you do if they are not in union with God, in oneness with God. All right? Um, now, I just want to say something. When Jesus uh, healed, what did he always say? Or when they proclaimed a message, what did he say? Repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So where was the kingdom coming from? From the inside. But change your mind before he can come. You see, so Jesus knew this message. <laughs> Obviously. But, <laughs> but that, was, that was what he was saying. People didn't realize it. Okay, so listen to this. He says, um, they are, um, n- nobody can do these signs. So when, when miracles are happening, we say the kingdom of God has come. Because when Jesus healed people, he said, the kingdom of God is near you, be healed. Remember? Because the kingdom of God is that dimension where sickness doesn't exist. The kingdom of God is that dimension where death does not exist. The kingdom of God is a dimension where lack does not exist. Because Jesus knew that, he could feed the 5,000 because the kingdom of God was at hand. You see? That's for healing. That's for provision. And it's in the case of death. All of those. Okay. He says, no one is able to do these signs. You do. If they are not in union with God. You see, he didn't say you must be born from above. He said, unless you are born from above. So he's talking about something that already happened. Isn't that interesting? So we made that different. We said, now you must first be born again. Then you can see the kingdom of God. It's not true. He says, unless you have been born from, a, from God to begin with, you couldn't be able to see this. So powerful. Jesus answered him emphatically, no one would even be able to recognize anything as coming from God's domain unless they are born from above to begin with. The very fact that it, is imp- that it is possible to perceive that I am in union with God as a human being reveals humanity's genesis from above. Humanity's genesis from above. Uh, we are born from above. We are born from above. And to be born again is when you have a new consciousness in your soul. When you know and realize and you remember, I am a son. That's truly what it is. He says, Nicodemus does not understand this answer at all. 
Uh, notice from the previous verse how Jesus employs a play of words from the question of Nicodemus. Here Jesus uses the word anothen, meaning from above. See James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes anothen, from above. Okay? It was never meant to be reading born again, born from above. Nicodemus did not understand this answer at all and said to him, how can a person be born if they are already grown up? Surely, one cannot re-enter your mother's womb and be born a second time. Nicodemus looks at the subject merely from the physical side. His second time is not the same as Jesus' from above. As Godet remarks, he does not understand the difference between a second beginning and a different beginning. You see? A different beginning. Where did you begin? I didn't begin in my mother's womb. I begin in God before time began in him and he loves you he loves you so much and he wants to express himself through you but we need to get our minds in line say father thank you for this truth sanctify my mind because the only thing that needs to be sanctified is my mind in John 17 verse 17 he says Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Now, what is the word of God? Man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, the bread alone uh, part is for the outer space. That's the bread alone. But from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is the inner space. So in the kingdom of God, in my connection with him in that oneness, I hear his words. But it's not me separate from him and he's speaking and I'm here and I'm hearing his words. There's a, there's a, my thoughts are now his thoughts and I, I, I sense in my thoughts, uh, thoughts coming up and I know this is God's voice. And it just flows through me. And that's the word of God. That's the word of God flowing. And that word, that word, the one that's spoken on the inside that's not spoken with my lips that word cannot return void it will accomplish what it is sent for it can never return void so if I do this exercise and I say to you listen guys say bottle without your mouth what happens when I say bottle without your mouth do that one, two, three, let's do it. Okay, one, two, three. Did you say that? Yeah. Okay, now inside, you said it. And when you said it, nobody heard it. Nobody spoke it with lips. But you did speak it. Yeah. And it's in a different dimension. It's in a different dimension. It, it's not that it did not happen. It did not happen in the natural, but it did happen in the spirit. Yeah. And the words that I speak to you, John 6.63, are spirit and they are life. And that's what's in here. So when God speaks to us, it's those words that's inside of us. The still small voice. You know, remember Elijah? He was running away from Jezebel and he came to a place where there was a, a cave. And God said to him, what are you doing here? And I said, no... You know, I was, 
I was working for you, Lord, but I was alone. He said, no, there's 7,000 others. And then he started speaking to Elijah, but there was an earthquake. And Elijah said, God is not in the earthquake. And then there was a strong wind that broke the rocks. And, and then he realized God is not in the strong wind. And then he says, but in the still small voice. What is that still small voice? On your inside, there's a voice that is speaking. It's a fifth dimension voice. It's called grace. It's divine influence upon your heart. Divine influence. That divine influence comes from your heart. It fills your mind. And when you speak those words, there's power. There's life. There's light. There is provision. If you understand that, you need to get it here. You need to get it here. Amen. You need to know who you are too. You need to, you need to come to yourself. You are one with Him. Father, I thank You for Your grace. Thank You for influencing our hearts. That it can fill our minds. Thank You for Your love. And Your tender mercy. We exalt You. We exalt You, Jesus. We love You, Father. We love You. I want You to feel something in Your spirit. Forget about the mind for a moment. Just listen to the still small voice. Okay? It's a constant flow of thoughts when you are focused on, on, on Father. When your spirit is in that connection with Him. And you just forget everything that is in your mind. All the things that's from this dimension. And listen with your heart. Listen with your heart. There are some of you here that said, Father, I, I, I can't hear your voice. I want to obey you. I want to do everything that you want to do. I want to obey you. But I can't hear your voice. I'm having trouble hearing your voice. If it's you, I'm asking you to stand up because I just want to do a simple prayer for you. It's not a shame. It's not a shame. Because no, nobody probably taught you how to hear his voice. Or what his voice is. Or maybe you just found it difficult to focus. It's not a shame. Man shall not live from bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you think if God designed you to live from every word that you will not be able to hear His voice? Your spiritual life depends upon it. 
depends upon it. And God wants you to hear Him. Now, this is an exercise that you need to do. Go home. Sit in a comfortable chair. Where nobody can disturb you. Sorry, won't bite Put the dog outside. Forget about the dog. Forget about everything else. Just sit. Don't put music on. Don't do anything. Because it will, it will distract you. Just sit there. In his presence. Just be still. And wait. Say, Father, here I am. Please speak to me. And then you just wait. Don't say it again. Just wait. Just wait. Wait for him. And if nothing happens, do it again later that day. And if nothing happens, do it the following day. Do it again. And if you keep on doing it at one point in time, it will come to you. And when it comes to you, make sure to write it down. When I go to bed at night, I sleep with pen and paper next to my bed. Because, you know, that moment right before you fall asleep, your carnal mind sort of switches off. And there's the only gap the spirit needs to put something through. And right there, a thought comes, and you must write it down immediately, because if you think now you'll do it tomorrow, you will forget it. You need to write it down. And through the night, if he wakes you with a thought, write it down. Listen, it's something that you must exercise. You know how a baby hears the mother's voice? By hearing it repeatedly. God says, my sheep knows my voice. He says, there's no way you can't hear it. You will know it. You will know it's his voice when you hear it. Do you want to hear God's voice? I also want to hear His voice. I'm sure those who hear His voice want to hear it better. Everybody needs it because you can't live without it. But it comes through oneness. It comes through through that realization, I'm not separate from God and now I'm trying to hear Him speak. He's in here, He's one with me. And now His thoughts flowing through me. It's his thoughts. That's him speaking to me. Okay? So Father, I pray for every person in this building and especially those who are standing. I pray, Father, that you will make it easy for them to have intimate oneness with you. Let them hear your voice. Let them hear your truth. Let let their minds be sanctified by your truth, by your word. Pray, Father, that you will bless every single person here with the ability to hear your voice so clearly that they will be able to prophesy and tell people, God says this and God says that. Because that's what prophecy is. It's just saying what God is saying. So, Father, I thank you for your love that you bestow upon them. Thank you for the oneness that they will come to realize.
Thank you for that oneness. Oh, we are one with him. We are one. We are one. Thank you, Jesus. We are one. Because of what you have done, we are one. We are one. Thank you, Jesus.